Well, um, those readings at least match the day. <laughs> it's kind of gloomy and uh, yucky, but um, the purpose behind those, our, our passage for preaching today from Ze Zephaniah 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, certainly um, it's not a lot of fun reading and neither is the passage in uh, Revelation 19, but um, it does paint a picture for us. That's important. Earlier this week, um, all of us were sitting in anticipation because we were watching the news and we knew that <clears throat> the forces of Russia were at the doorstep, already actually in Ukrainian territory. If all of you like us uh, were looking at that and thinking about it, you might have even had dreams about it. I dreamt about being at war and the thought of shooting or being shot at. And I've watched these images and it was just kind of a sort of a gut wrenching, um, pit of your stomach feeling. And I started thinking about what it must really have been like for the people in Ukraine to know that all around them was these armies about at any minute to start attacking and how that, must have felt and I think more than the wars that we've been sort of growing accustomed to for the last um, years this seemed different I guess because Ukraine is somewhat like us they're free they're at liberty uh, they they um, exercise free trade and so forth but all of a sudden we're reading about these people being handed out guns and having to stand outside their doors and fight because the enemy was at hand and the war is about to take place and there seems to be um, there seems to be no reprieve. There's nothing. Nobody's going to come in at the last minute and stop it. You just had that sense, and sure enough, um, it's happened. Well, that is exactly the scene in our text, but multiplied to the nth degree because the aggressor is not an evil tyrant born of flesh and blood, the aggressor is God himself. And he has been warning the nation of Israel and her surrounding enemies. And at this point, when we take up our reading, they're all at the brink of war, so to speak. But the war is against God and they stand no chance. It's been somewhat encouraging to read in the last few days that somehow um, Ukrainian forces are are staving off, holding off the attacks. I, it's it's a it's amazing thing to read about. But this battle was about to be against an enemy that there is no defenses against. God Himself is about to wreak havoc. Punishment is at the door. Judgment is there. God has sent His prophets. The warning shots have been fired, so to speak. And now it's too late. By the time Zephaniah comes on the scene, it's too late. God's wrath is, as chapter 2, verse 2 put it, it's ready to come forth. In other words, the decree, it says, is about to take effect. Bring forth, be brought forth. Literally, it means to give birth. So God's wrath, like the seed in the womb, has been growing and growing and maturing. 
and it's about to burst forth, and there's nothing that can be done to stop it. Just look at this sobering imagery of God's judgment against sin. Where God describes it himself through his prophet. I will sweep man away, beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens. See, the rubble. It's just an awful scene. With the wicked, I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal. Verses 14 and 18, even more so, 14 through 18, the great day of the Lord is near. It's a day of bitterness, a day of wrath, a day of distress, anguish, a day of ruin, a day of devastation, darkness and gloom. And the illustrations just go on. It's very reminiscent of the day of the Lord, and I mentioned this last week. Obviously, Zephaniah is concerned about the great day of the Lord, and all of his prophecy not only came to sudden, came to pass suddenly in the next several years, but it will and has continued to come to pass and will ultimately come to pass on the great day of the Lord when Jesus himself steps out, as we just read about in Revelation 19, and he will take out sin once and for all. In fact, it's described for us also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5 through 10, where we read, This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. I hope you hear that. I mean, that is Revelation 19. It's, it's described for us by Paul. It is described for us by Zephaniah. The day of the Lord is coming. And I point this out because... I want you to understand the message is still true for today. God is real. Judgment is real. And most importantly, everlasting punishment is real. Hell is real. And that's the ultimate picture that we are seeing here. It's not this another war where God's going to use an enemy to destroy his people who have been wicked, but yet save his real elect out of it. It is a picture pointing all the way forward to the ultimate demonstration of God's wrath where it's poured out on sin once and for all and the wicked are taken away. Cast into the lake of fire. All that sounds very bad because it is. Hell is not a fun place, but we can't ignore it. Too many people have decided we shouldn't talk about this, we shouldn't talk about judgment, we shouldn't talk about wrath, we shouldn't talk about hell. But as we know well, Jesus talked about hell more than anything else. It is real and it's a concern. In the judgment of God, all these judgments pictured for us in Scripture, all the way through the end of the book, 
are just pointing to that day when final judgment comes and sin is destroyed forever. Those who do not know Christ will be ultimately cut off and there will be no second chances. In fact, that's what verse 4 in chapter 1 says here. I will cut off from this place. Notice, not the remnant of God. I'll cut off the remnant of Baal. I'll cut off those who are idol worshippers. Those who have led people astray, especially. Those who have been trying to worship God and Baal. Those who have turned their back from following the Lord so much that they no longer even seek Him or inquire of Him. In other words, false converts. Those who acted a little saved, but they weren't. He's going to cut them off. And make, make no mistake, he says this judgment is very just. So don't stand around and say, how awful is this God? Who would want a God like this? It is a just judgment. And so he says, therefore, verse 7, be silent. You have no words left to say. There is no charges to be brought against the Lord. Because his judgment is near. In fact, he has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. An imagery of the Old Testament worship sacrificial system instituted by Moses. When they would build the fire and they, they would get ready for the sacrifice. And the, and the one having the sacrifice made for him would be consecrated. The priest would be consecrated or set apart and cleansed. Everything is ready. The only thing that needs to happen is the sacrifice needs to be slaughtered. And God is saying, I've prepared the sacrifice and it's you. And you're about to be sacrificed. And I'm about to utterly destroy you. But notice where judgment begins. Where we are told in the New Testament it must begin at the house of God. Those who didn't, who did at one time but no longer seek the Lord. The officials, the king's sons. Verse 12, men who are complacent. Who will not make a decision, in other words. Men who are fence-sitters. Revelation describes them as lukewarm. Men that will not speak the truth. Men that refuse to teach these kind of things. That judgment is coming, that hell is real. And that the wrath of God is coming down upon all unrighteousness. God was sick of it then and he is plenty sick of it now. Because there are men who still refuse to say these things. God says those who are complacent, those who will never say God will do this or he won't do this. God hates that kind of talk. Be straight. Proclaim what God has proclaimed about himself. Judgment will come and sin will be destroyed once and for all and all those who have propagated it. But there is good news here. Because there's nowhere to hide from this. Did you notice what he said? He'll, he'll take lamps into Jerusalem. Hey, there's no dark corner dark enough that the wrath of God will not find the sin. It will destroy it. He will find the wicked. There will be no hiding on judgment day. There will be no slinking away or tricking God or half-heartedness making it in. God will come and judgment will be swift and sure. Just like it was about to be for Judah, the Babylonians were on their way 
But even worse, one day, somebody much more horrific and awesome than any man put together army, the Lord God himself is coming. But we go to chapter 2, and we see that there is hope. There's a little bit earlier, but we mentioned this verse last week, and it's so good. Verses 1 through 3. Gather together, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect. Before the day passes away like chaff. And here's a word to those who have been putting it off. Those who have refused to repent and be saved by God. Who have refused to surrender. He says, look, before this decree takes effect. Before judgment really comes. Before the day passes before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord. Before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Here's this beautiful call from God himself through his prophets. Seek the Lord, all you humble or meek of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. There is still hope. Repentance is always an option. Didn't mean that the judgment wasn't coming. The judgment was at hand. It was coming. But there was hope and there is hope for anybody who repents. Always. Isaiah chapter 55 and 1. He says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Hey, it's a call to those in Judah at this time who had, like many of us, had sat under the prophets. They had heard the word of God. They knew what they were to do, but they had yet done it. And he was calling to them through Isaiah, look to the rock from which you were hewn, to the core from which you were dug. In other words, look to God. Look to the Lord. How are we saved? No other way than looking to God. Later in Isaiah 55 and 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. And they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will never be dismayed. 55 Isaiah verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. These are what the prophets have been saying. Hosea. For it is time to seek the Lord, chapter 5, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. And Amos said the same thing. Seek the Lord and live. Judgment was coming, but the prophet was still giving this little bit of hope. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And the, the message is still true. Seek the Lord and live. Believe and repent before it's too late. Because real judgment is coming. Ultimate judgment is coming. And it won't come through China or Russia. It will come from God himself. And there will be no escape. And he will ultimately destroy all those who do not belong to him. Though I said here God had prepared Sacrifice in his 
preaching Zephaniah's preaching, that sacrifice was the people, the wickedness was about to be sacrificed, and they were paid for that sin on the altar of God's wrath. But the beautiful picture that we ought to be reminded of in that is that God really has prepared a sacrifice for himself and none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who believe the one on the sacrifice or the sacrifice on the altar will not be us. It will be Jesus. He's already laid, been laid there. He's already been burnt completely up by the wrath of God so that our sin can be completely satisfied and forgiven in, in him. Zephaniah says the Lord has prepared a sacrifice, but the writer to the Hebrews says that it was not an animal, but a body that God prepared for him. And then we read that Jesus considered the sacrifice of his body and his life a joy and endured the cross, despising the shame. Even in this awful message of gloom and doom and destruction and wrath, we're reminded that there is a cure. Better than that, there is a sacrifice prepared by God himself. Either his wrath will be poured out upon you or it has already been poured out on Christ. The only way to escape judgment is to hide in Jesus, not yourself. I believe that is the message that is before us. Believe in Christ. Repent of your sin and believe to escape the wrath. We need to tell that message and we need to tell it over and over and we don't need to skip it. Even in a gathering like this, all of you who we see all the time and we love and we trust that you are in Christ, I want you to hear this message because I don't want judgment, ultimate judgment to come upon you swiftly and surprise you. Because it will find you. The Bible is clear. Now is the time of salvation. Today. Repent and be saved. Do not allow the judgment of God. To come upon you. And cause you to pay for your sin. For all eternity. That's not a good thought. Jesus has paid for it. Trust in him. Believe in him. The beautiful picture of the gospel right here. In this minor prophet in the Old Testament. Pictured in the destruction that came to Judah. Pictured in the destruction later that Jesus describes well in Matthew 24. That came upon Jerusalem in the first century. Pictured for us all throughout the rest of the New Testament. We read in Revelation. It's been happening all through history up to this point. Little little pictures of judgment. Little pictures of judgment. Little pictures of judgment. Even what's going on right now that we don't understand in a place like Ukraine. Judgment of sin. God using wicked people to do wicked things. Just a picture of what's to come. Or ultimately the wicked even, as Revelation described for us, they'll all be standing there with their little swords and their little planes and whatever. But it's going to be against God and it will not last. God will take vengeance upon all of his enemies. And he will destroy by the word of the mouth of the Lord. The word of God will destroy every enemy and take away sin forever. Nothing will be left but the pure righteousness of God in his righteous people. 
No wonder we'll stand around the throne singing his praises because it won't be about us. None of us will be able to stand on that day and say, look what we did. Look how we warded off judgment. Look how we fought against. No, we'll only cast whatever we have before Jesus and, and, and praise him because he is responsible. So before it's too late, repent and believe. Church, those of us who have repented and believed, this ought to spurn us and, and, and kick us in to more obedience, to more desire to be holy, to more desire to see people come to the kingdom. I hear y'all every week and I'm with you and we're all, we have people we love and know that we really believe aren't saved. We want them to be saved. Don't give up. There is this call in the midst of all this judgment. Seek the Lord. Perhaps you may be hidden. Perhaps those we love will be hidden. They will be if they believe in Christ. Pray that God will send them a messenger. Pray that God will give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Be saved. That's my prayer for all of you today. Let's bow together and close. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, there's so much here, so many parts of this text that could be exegeted, but at the end of it all, this is what we're going to find. That your judgment is coming, that's swift and sure, and none will escape it. And on that great day of the Lord, Jesus finally returns. He will do what he has promised. All the word of God will be completely fulfilled. We'll know and understand and see in full. And sin will be gone forever. Man, what, what a time that will be. And we rejoice at that time and we look to it, but we don't just sit back as those the angel rebuked after the ascension of the Lord. We don't sit back and gaze up into heaven. Rather, we are busily trying to live out the righteousness that we've been called to. We live in repentance. God teaches to hate our sin. Never let go of us. We hear your promises, the beautiful promises of Scripture, that you've never lost one, that you never will. There's none able to pluck one of your children from your hand. There is no power ever created that is powerful enough to steal one of the chosen, redeemed children of God. And we praise you for that. So rather than be depressed and down and out because we sinned yet again. We turn our faith and hope more to Jesus and we focus on him more and we trust in him more to give us his righteousness and teach us his righteousness so that even when we do things right and we get it right, we don't boast in our own doings. We boast in him. So give us that today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.